0: Our country is in trouble. We have turned our back on Almighty God and we need His help. The only hope that I have for this country is if the church stands up and gets involved and I realize if we don't get involved now, uh, it may be too late. In 2016, I'm traveling to all 50 states to hold prayer rallies, calling our nation to God. We're calling it the Decision America Tour. We're asking people to pray, to vote, and engage in your community by living and sharing and standing for your faith. I believe the Church of Jesus Christ can make a difference in this country. God says in 2 Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I hope all of you churches will join me for the Decision America Tour where we're gonna be on the Capitol steps, standing together and praying for our country. It's a prayer rally that can make a difference. So we need you to be a part of this because if the Church of Jesus Christ would take a stand, then I believe we have hope for America.
1: Franklin Graham is going to be in Columbus at our uh, state house on Thursday, October the 6th. And so I'm calling any of you who are available to join us downtown for that rally, that prayer rally with Frank, led by Franklin Graham. And uh, I know our whole staff is going to take the 15 bus downtown and do it and come back. And um, we would love for you guys as many as you possibly could to join us. I'm just praying for thousands of believers Primaria Churches to be down there joined together. Doesn't matter what the name on the sign in front of the parking lot is of their church. We just go and we join our hearts and our faith together for our country, yes? So I hope you can join us. If you can't, then I hope you'll take some time to pray for our nation uh, on on that particular day. Also, on 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 another uh, somewhat related note is... um, also like to mention that uh, on... Uh, have you ever heard of a guy named Chris Tomlin? Anybody? Oh, you have? Yeah, he's like a really famous worship leader. And have you ever heard of a preacher named uh, Louis Giglio? Oh, you have? Oh yeah, he's like a really famous preacher too. And on October the 25th, which is a Tuesday for our regular prayer meeting slot time at 7 o'clock... Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin are going to be on our screen. They won't be here in person, uh, but they'll be on here at the vineyard on our screen, and uh, that is going to be something that's going to be simulcast to hundreds, perhaps thousands, of places throughout the country on that day, so that I'm going to ask you to come on that day that night at 7 o'clock, October the 25th, and join us in worshiping with Chris Tomlin as our worship leader and with Louis Giglio as our pastor and to lead us in a time of also praying for our nation. And this is going to be shown throughout the Ohio and throughout really throughout the country. There are going to be several sites that it's going to be shown at. A number of theaters are going to be... Uh, utilized for that night in a number of churches, and we're one of the sites. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, there, is a, there is a detail you have to take care of, and that is in, cor- in order to support their ministry and the cost of their ministry, you actually have to go to the christomlin.com website and buy an $8 ticket and bring the ticket with you to get in. And so that's how they'll be able to know how many people are at different places and that sort of thing, and also to support... The, the cost of doing it, of course. Um, so we'll have that information in print for you next week, but I'm telling you now, because some of you may have heard about that and you thought about maybe getting tickets for the Regal Theater or something like that, and you thought, oh, well, if we're going to have it here, I want to be with the people I know and love and worship with and pray with. And So I'm pretty excited about that, uh, that particular night. So jot that down in your, uh, in your calendars. Make a mental note of it. If, if you will, okay. We'll have more information on that for you next time. Um, I am a student of irony. I love irony. Do you not love irony? Not ironing. Irony. I love irony. And uh, on a little bit of a cruel twist of uh, irony toward me this week, I, I hope you will be able to embrace the irony of this little story. Is this week, uh, on a night this week, I was out in my barn. I was painting an old tractor and, uh, with my spray, with my compressor and my paint sprayer. And as I was doing that out there, I wasn't getting enough juice because it's 150 feet to my barn. I used number 10 wire. I didn't think there'd be that much voltage drop. Apparently there is, at least to run the compressor. How many know what I'm talking about there? Yeah, okay. And so my compressor goes, and then throws the breaker. So I thought, well, that's okay. There's more than one way to skin a cat, right? So I drug my generator out of the garage, out to the barn. So I thought, well, I'll just fire up the generator and plug the compressor into the generator, right? I'm gonna get this done because I'm already in the middle of it. So this is kind of a heavy deal. It's got like wheels and I drug it all the way out to the barn and I get out there and I get ready to start my generator and the battery's dead. Tell me you see the irony, right? A dead batterator on a generator. Some of you will get that on the way home. Oh, a generator! Okay. Well, in another uh, bit of irony, I'm really disappointed that it has taken me three weeks to bring this message on disappointment. Um, (laughs) But today is the last day of this one-time message that I started a month ago. This is absolutely the last opportunity you must call now in order to really embrace the power of what we've been saying about dealing with disappointment over the last few weeks. I really did intend for it to be a one-timer, and then I, since we didn't get through it the first time, a two-timer, and then since we didn't get through it last time, this is it. And this is also the end of the Summer Shorts series, because it's not summer anymore. It's already fall, all right? I'm not sure what you're cheering for exactly there. It's the end of the series of messages, but I'll just try to take that in the best possible light. Next week, it's my plan to resume the Through the Bible series with the book of Hosea. So uh, you can spend some time in there, A a lot of really rich, rich stuff in there. Okay, let's pray. Father, we invite your presence to come and embrace the power of your word, to come to those places where we do experience disappointment, It hurts when things happen that are out of our control. It hurts when things happen in ways that we never dreamed they would happen. And it hurts when somebody dies. And it hurts when a spouse says, I want a divorce. And it hurts when our boss says, we don't need you anymore. And it hurts When these things happen, Lord, and so in that way, we come to you and ask you to continue to bring the power of this message from your word about dealing with disappointment to us so, so that we can be believers who are fully equipped to glorify you in any and every circumstance in our lives, even the ones that we didn't ask for. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and enliven your word to our hearing and those places where we live as spiritual beings in Christ. Amen. So, um, I have a question for you to go on here. What, what, are some of your, what are some of your least favorite things to do? What are some of the least favorite things? What? Dishes. Laundry. Laundry. Bill. Paying bills. Weeds. What? Weeds. Picking weeds. Weeds. Oh, this is okay. (laughs) Irony. Yeah. (laughs) One of my least favorite things to do is to wait. I hate waiting. Who hates waiting? It's like, I don't have time for that. I hate waiting. And I never plan for waiting. I never, as I think about my day, because I write in waiting time in there, even though I'm going to places where I know I'm going to have to wait. And it takes a long time. This is why Karen and I are cash people. We, we, we use cash. You know They still make dollar bills, as it turns out, and we use that as much as we can. But I refuse to do it at the gas station because I get in line behind five people who are buying lottery tickets, right? And I don't like to wait for that, so I use my debit card for that. That's, that's just too long to wait for gasoline. It takes a long time to wait. How many of you remember the day when you, when you went to the bank... You had to pick a line, right? Now it's all kind of Disney-ish, where you go through the thing, and you know the next one goes to the next of it, which made a lot of sense. I don't know why it took us like 2,000 years to think of that, but it did. But you used to have to go, and you used to have to go, all right, now which line am I going to pick, right? And you always pick the wrong one, right? Sometimes you pick the shorter one, thinking that was going to be the fastest one, but not always true. Sometimes you pick the longest one because you saw the people and what they're probably trying to do when they get to the teller, right? And you get up there and you, hey, we're making good time. And you're passing the other line. And you get up there and the guy in front of you is paying his mortgage payment in nickels. (laughs) Something always happens like that, right? I hate waiting. How many of you have driven like on the Ohio Turnpike or something and you get off it's your exit, and you get off. You're going 70 miles an hour, and you come in, and there are like five options for you. Green light, blah, 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 blah. And you got to pick a lane, don't you? You got you, you can't go to all five. They don't do Disney. Say, next one over here, please. You just pick a lane. And sometimes you see that there are cars in that one. Not many cars, but you see that there are trucks in that one. But when one truck goes, it's like five cars going, right? Do you do the math, or is this, am I just messed up? Does, does anybody else do this math? Come on, tell me the truth. You do that math, don't you? Of course you do. Because you want to get through as quickly as possible because we hate to wait. Well, I've got good news for you. The The fourth truth in dealing with disappointment in our lives, according to the Scriptures, is that we have to wait upon the Lord. We have to wait upon the Lord to renew our strength. The experience of disappointment is something that is common to all of us. Everybody experiences disappointment in some way in their life, sometimes deeply, sometimes living through like a season of disappointment. And uh, we've been looking at Psalm 34 for the last couple of weeks, and I'm not going to take any time to develop the context of it this time, because I think I've done that pretty thoroughly over the last couple of weeks But in this psalm where David is living in a season of disappointment, having lost everything, he says these amazing things. And one of the things he says is this read it with me if you can see it. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. What a great promise, eh? That the Lord is close to the brokenhearted close to the disappointed, close to those who are hurting in seasons of great loss, that he saves those who are what? Crushed in spirit. Have you ever been a time in your life where you've just been crushed? You've just felt crushed. Something happened. Maybe even you had a hand in it, but nonetheless, it was not something you planned for, not something you'd ever hoped for. It was a terrible time and you felt crushed. Well, I have really good news for you. The Lord saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so that's been the plan as we've looked at dealing with disappointment. And thus far, we've said dealing with disappointment, we begin by focusing on what we know to be true. That if you imagine your life as a band, it has a bandwidth to it, your whole life that you're presently living in this moment. And when a time of disappointment comes... Something is taken from you. Some section of that band is just goes. It's gone. And you're living in a time, a natural response of disappointment to the sudden removal of that thing. But in reality, not all of your life is gone. Just part of your life is gone. But it is so hurtful, it is so disappointing that it draws so much attention to it, doesn't it? And the reality is we begin by doing what Paul said, whatever is true... Whatever is good, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, etc. Think about these things. Think about what is true. And in reality, we've got that big missing hole in the middle of our life, and we're so disappointed, but there's a lot of stuff that's true that isn't bad. So focus on what is true. Also to actively give thanks for what you still have, because you still have stuff, you still have a life. You still have an existence, and you give, actively give thanks for that. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, and 18, give thanks in everything. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then also, in that time, you worship God. You worship God, because God, God is to be worshipped no matter what's going on here, right? God is worthy of our praise no matter what. And even if that loss is so hard, so difficult, that it it absorbs so much of our thinking, God is not changed by our circumstances. And so we still worship God. That we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we just keep coming. It's a sacrifice. But we just keep coming and worshiping the Lord. And then finally this morning, to finish this message, thank you, Jesus, is for you to wait for your strength to return. Wait for your strength to return. We're waiting for something. In that season of disappointment, while you're doing those other three things, this isn't like sequential as a a step, okay, I did one, I don't have to do that anymore. No, you keep doing one, two, and three, And then while you're doing those things, catch this, you actively wait. Waiting sounds passive, doesn't it? It's like, I'm just waiting for the bus. You can do something while you're waiting. You can actively wait. You can look for. When you're waiting for the bus, what do you do? (laughs) Right? When you're waiting for the Lord, what do you do? Same thing. Same thing. You look for him to come. Actively waiting for the Lord to come and minister to you in your time of disappointment. You know, if the Lord permits a season of disappointment in our lives, then we've got to be sure to wait long enough to allow him to fulfill his purpose. I mean, there's a big argument about whether God causes things that are disappointing or whether he permits them, and I don't know if we'll ever really be able to find words to really talk about that. To our complete satisfaction, but in reality, God is sovereign over all the earth. Nothing escapes his sight. In Job, it says, no plan of yours will be thwarted. And so God knows. And God permits, at the very least. And in this permission of these seasons of disappointment in our lives, there's purpose to be fulfilled, isn't there? There's something. We come out the other side of them, potentially, a greater person, a stronger person, a more mature believer, a person of greater character. Than when we went in. And so what we do then. Is we, we wait for him to finish his purposes. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. And you'll see a verse that's so familiar to so many of us. Who have been circling this pole For so many decades. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Says that they that wait upon the Lord shall do what? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That sounds good. That sounds really good. The condition of getting that strength so we can be that strong is what? Wait. They that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You coming, Lord? I'm looking, Lord. I'm waiting. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That is a promise. If you look with me at the verses before it, it helps to explain it a little bit better. In verse 28, do you not know? Have you not heard? I love it when the Bible asks me questions, it's so engaging. Do you not know? What don't I know? Have you not heard? What haven't I heard? And then the next line is, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or worry, and His understanding no one can fathom. So it starts by saying, don't you remember? Haven't you heard? It's God we're talking about here. He created everything, and He doesn't ever get tired. One of the problems that we have in our walk with God is we're forever trying to make Him out in our image, aren't we? And we're trying to put limits on God sometimes that that reflect the limits that we have god never gets tired look what it says next in never getting tired he gives strength strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak i love that anybody feel weak today go ahead raise your hand well i've got good news for you god wants to give you something i can't promise you he's going to give you money i can't promise he's going to give you a better husband I can promise you that he's going to give you strength, because that's what the word says. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Next line even youths,
0: it's hard to say.
1: Youth this is. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Even young people get tired, it says. I mean, even Sydney up here who did the announcements, even she gets tired. It's hard to believe, right? She's so perky. I, I want to do everything she announces, don't you? Because she's so perky and full of energy. Well, the Bible says that even Sydney gets tired. Even young men stumble and fall. But, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Sometimes translated here, those who hope in the Lord. Hoping is waiting actively. Hoping is actively waiting. It's waiting, but it's going, You coming, Lord? I believe you're coming. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So, how do we deal with disappointment? Well, as we're actively engaged in all these things, we're waiting and we're actively waiting for Him to come. Does that make sense? Just to Marie? Does that make sense? Good. We hate to wait, don't we? We just hate, hate, hate to wait. Why do we hate to wait? I think we hate to wait because we are nature. By nature, we are controllers, and by culture, we are consumers. And these two things work together to make us hate to wait. By nature, we are controllers, and uh, because we are controllers, we hate to wait. Because when we wait, what are we doing? We're relinquishing control, we're saying, I'm not in control of this. I'm just waiting now for someone else to do the thing. I'm waiting for that guy in front of me to move. I don't have control. If it were up to me, I would just go to the front of the line and say, excuse me, I'm Tom Paquette and I'm going first. (laughs) But we can't do that. And so when we wait, we're relinquishing control. I'm kind of wondering out loud if that's why God writes waiting into the program. Because as he requires us to wait upon the Lord, we're required to relinquish control. I don't know about you, but everything I have ever tried to control that was only God's to control didn't have a happy ending. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I think we hate to wait because we are by nature controllers and by culture we are consumers. And as consumers, we're saying, I deserve to get what I came for now. And it's getting worse, isn't it? As things get faster, our ability to wait, our patience for waiting gets smaller. How many of you have put something in the microwave and you've stood there going, Come on, I haven't got a minute? How many of you have been online, and you clicked something, and it didn't immediately appear, and you go, something's wrong, something's wrong with my connection, get a new router, I haven't got all second. Isn't this the way we are now? We're consumers. We hate to wait. You know what I hate more than anything else in the world? Our split lines in the drive through at McDonald's. I hate those. I mean, I was there when I was there. I'm behind the Toyota. I know where I am. The Hummer's behind me. I know how this plays. No decisions to make. And then you get up there and say, either lane all the time. And this has happened to me, and it's happened to you. Somebody behind you made the other decision, and they got in front of you. Right? Right? Something needs to be done about this. I will vote for the presidential candidate who will promise to do something about that. Because at present I'm not seeing any other reason to vote for anybody. But I will vote. And you won't know who I voted for. What are we waiting for? If God has written waiting into the program, what are we waiting for? I think we're waiting for some things. We're waiting for the storm to pass. If we're in a season of disappointment, it means we're in a storm. Something is is going wrong. Something has been taken from us suddenly. It's going wrong, and we're in a storm. And we're waiting for the storm to pass. Because the storm passes, doesn't it? as terrible as it feels when you're in it you know the storm passes and the Bible says that there shall be weeping for a season but joy comes in the morning but it says there shall be weeping for a season this is one of the promises of scripture we will have difficult times we will have difficult times he said that the Lord saves the righteous from all their troubles in Psalm 34 That means the righteous have troubles it's going to happen and what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the morning. We're waiting for the, the storm to pass so the joy can come in the morning. I think we're also waiting for the emotion to subside. These are emotional things that happen to us, right? And we talked earlier in this series, <laughs> this message, <laughs> this accidental series, we talked about the cocktail of emotions that occur in our lives when disappointment comes. We talked about fear and we talked about sadness and we talked about anger and how these things all work together when we're disappointed and it's a very emotional thing for us as it should be and you know what you need to give yourself grace for that you need to give yourself grace to be emotional when you're disappointed you need to allow yourself to be emotional it's okay and i hope that we don't have emotional responses you know what i mean that cause difficulty for other people but You've got to give yourself grace to be emotional. God wired you this way. It's all right for you to be emotional, for you to be upset. It is not a lack of faith for you to be upset. It is cooperating with the way God hardwired us. I mean, have you read this Bible thing? Have you read Psalms? Pretty upset guy every now and then. And so we're waiting for the emotion to pass. Have you ever noticed that some of our emotions, they have kind of a half-life? You know, like radioactive elements, they have kind of a half-life. So that, you know, when the thing happens, your emotions are here, but in some space of time, they're about half that. You notice it just starts to go away, or is it just me? And then in that same space of time, again, it's like half of what it was if you could measure emotions, but you know what I mean? That feeling you got inside of you, it seems to just diminish like by half, at a time, you're waiting for the emotion to subside, what you're waiting for. Why God says, wait, 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 wait. I was listening to Billy Currington's song this week, It Don't Hurt Like It Used To. That's a horrible song, but I love that. <laughs> a lot of beer drinking in that song, I'll tell you. But <laughs> but the, the sentiment is, it don't hurt like it used to. It don't hurt like it because it hurts in the beginning, doesn't it? And why are we waiting? Why does God say, now, before you do anything, you wait. Because the emotion will, will subside. There are actually three times in our lives when we should definitely not be making life-defining de- life decisions. Okay, I'm going to give you the top three times in life when you should definitely not be making defining decisions. Okay. So you know how we make these big decisions. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. Well, we make these big pronouncements in uh, certain times. I'm going to give you the top three times not to do that. Number one is when we are in a state of emotional turmoil. When we're in a state of emotional turmoil is not the time to decide to get a divorce. When we're in a state, I mean, how do you separate the two if that's what's going on? But just just think about what I'm saying. It's not the time to quit the job when we're in a state of emotional turmoil. We we need to let that pass. So this is one of the top three times when we should not be making life-defining decisions. And the second one is when we're in a state of emotional turmoil. (laughs) And the third one is when we're in a state of emotional turmoil. These are the top three times not to make defining decisions. I'm going to change my major. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We have to wait. We are emotional people, but when we make defining decisions, we should make them from places of emotional balance. So we're waiting for the emotion. God says, just wait. Wait. I know you're upset. I know you're disappointed. That's how I made you. But just wait before you make a big decision about that. I think we're also waiting to see what is true. Remember how we talked about how in disappointment, part of the struggle is dealing with all the half-truths that are around the story of what we're disappointed about? We have to wait. We have to wait to see what's really true here. Because when we're emotional, we tend to latch on to those half-truths as though they're absolute, don't we? And we go, well then, if that's how it's going to be, and we don't really know what the whole truth is. And if we're going to do that first thing, of focus on what is true, we have to wait To see what is true. We have to let things settle. And I think we're also waiting for the Holy Spirit. This is really what we're waiting for. It's really who we're waiting for. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He says, I will give strength to the weary. I'll give that to you. He does that by giving himself to us. In the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, more. In the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit comes in our time of waiting, then strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise. Your strength level will rise as we wait upon the Lord. As the Holy Spirit comes. We've all experienced disappointment to varying degrees, some profoundly. Some of you have lost parents recently. Some of you have lost spouses recently. Some of you have lost children. Some of you have lost grandchildren in this church over the past year. These are profound disappointments. Good news for you. Let's read it together. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them, He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So as I was praying this morning, Lord, how do we want to proceed with ministry? I heard clearly from the Holy Spirit that said, just ask him this one question. And this one question that we have for you is, what are you waiting for? And not like, what are you waiting for? Not, Not like that at all. But it's like, In your waiting, what would you say you're waiting for? What is it that, from your perspective, God could do for you in your waiting that would answer that question? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for comfort? Are you waiting for strength? Are you waiting for truth? Are you waiting for provision? Are you waiting for healing? These are all wonderful things. These are all valid things to wait for. I think that what the Holy Spirit is saying to us this morning is, What are you waiting for? Because then, and you're waiting, you can say, Lord, I'm not just passively standing here, but I'm just asking you. I'm waiting for, and I think you know the answer. I think you know the answer to that question. What are you waiting for in your season of disappointment and loss? It's a good question. I think it's a question from the Lord for you. So, as we proceed with ministry this morning, I just hope that you'll have an opportunity to just connect with the Lord and well, what am I waiting for? Lord, I, I think I'm waiting for this. If you'd like to receive prayer for that, you can come up to some of our prayer people. But you can also come up to our prayer people for anything at all that you would like somebody to pray for you about, okay? Father in Heaven, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the goodness of Your Word. That at the very core of the Bible is a living, a living communication from Your mind to ours. This is um, almost beyond comprehension for us, Lord, that the God of the universe would love us so much that He would have given us such a thing as this, this Bible to have communication with us by way of the Holy Spirit. Lord, these things that we talk about here, we're not making up. We're not learning from the internet. We're learning them from you and from the power of your Holy Spirit as you come and enliven your word. And so, Lord, as uh, we just move into a time of response to you, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be feel very welcome here and unhindered just to go from heart to heart, mind to mind, And speak to every person with regard to this dealing with disappointment. For the ones who are on mountaintops, the highest mountaintops. To the ones who are in the deepest valleys. I pray that your Holy Spirit will come and minister equally to us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and move among us, enliven the gifts of the church, the gifts of the Spirit in the church, enliven them for your honor and glory, not for our edification, but for yours, Lord. Come and heal our sick. I pray that you would heal cancer in this room today. I pray that you would heal heart disease. Three coronary arteries that are blocked in a man right now, I pray that you'll heal them right now in the name of Jesus. PMJ in someone's jaw, I pray in the name of Jesus will be healed right now in this place. There's a phlebitis attack somewhere in this room, and I speak against that in the name of Jesus. Call out healing by his grace and power, not by my might, but by the might of the Lord. Manic depression, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd reach that, that dear one who's struggling. In the name of Jesus. Show them the way. Show them the way to the place where their emotions can be stabilized and they're not a victim of their own chemical swings in their brain in the name of Jesus. For the one who is imprisoned by heroin in the name of Jesus come and set them free. For two people in the room who are dabbling in cocaine they don't think anyone knows you know come and set them free. For the ones who don't yet know you in this remarkably personal way through your son Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. Come and save them today. Let today be the day that they enter into relationship with you through faith in the work of your son Jesus on the cross. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and enliven the church for ministry, for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name. Church, shall we stand together and just respond to the Lord? Got some prayer ministry people come up and be ready to pray for others. Here at the Vineyard, you're always free to move about and you're free to come up and if it just helps you to come up closer and pray, you're welcome to do that. You're always free to go to one another and pray for each other as you stand there. Just be very respectful. Always ask. It says, okay, if I just pray for you. You're always free for that. If you have a word of knowledge, if a word or something, then, you know, let the church be the church.